the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Thursday, and it's the first day of autumn. I, I changed my attire appropriately. Uh, you got to take all the summer stuff and you know, start putting it away. And there's certain things when you're a man, you're not supposed to wear uh, the, the seersucker anymore. And you go from the straw hats to the felt hats. Um, but uh, it, it was a rainstorm this morning. We have a great show for you. It's a different show than we had anticipated. But you know what? As Marianne tells me, everything happens for a reason. Uh, if you listened yesterday, I said that the mayor was going to be on today, barring some sort of incident or emergency, etc. Um, and in fact, late last night, we got a text from his communications chief, who was very great and very gracious, and said, we're going to have to do it next week. I believe it has something to do with the UN and someone who really wants to meet with him. And, and you know, I understand that whatever is in the best interest of the city, that's what um, this show is about. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm going to speak to Mayor Adams about next week. But what came up uh, early this morning that I saw that I think is very, very relevant uh, to a conversation we had yesterday with the Supreme Court uh, Court Officers Association Union boss um, and all our friends at the NYPD. The Supreme Court of the United States of America has agreed to hear the NYPD's challenge against the New York City municipal COVID vaccine mandate. So I'll just break it down real quick before we get to a guest, actually a couple of guests who really have their fingers on the pulse. Um, The Supreme Court will consider an NYPD detective's challenge against New York City's municipal coronavirus vaccine mandate after it said we were not going to consider it just for a little a little legal history here in august justice sonia sotomayor she's the justice who when the court's not in session she's in charge of this section of the country which is uh new york connecticut i believe it goes up to vermont it's like a weird thing it's the second circuit um so she was asked while the court was not in session to hear uh, Detective Anthony Marciano's challenge against the mandate, which and that mandate, as you know, which requires all city workers to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Um, but what what Detective Marciano's lawyer did was she recently resubmitted the request directly to conservative justice Clarence Thomas in an effort to circumvent Justice Sotomayor's uh, dismissal. Uh, we're going to get into this a little later on in the program with Justice, with Judge Andrew Napolitano, who I'm so pleased to have on the program. But um, 
you know, this this is a, a big deal for everyone because um, all of the challenges to the mandates here in the state court have all been upheld. That The mayor, whether it was de Blasio or Adams, has the ability, the power to do this. Um, let's, you know, we had uh, Paul, we had Paul left. We, I'm sorry, we had Paul Giacomo on, I think, Monday or Tuesday. I want to bring in James Muschella. He's the general counsel of the Detective Endowment Association. And I want to um, ask him, what's going on from a legal point of view, uh, uh, Counselor Muschella? Well, good afternoon, uh, author. Uh, let me just say uh, that, first of all, thank you for the opportunity to address this very important issue. Uh, the mayor may not have been able to make it, but uh, you have the Detectives Endowment Association here again uh, to explain Listen, what's it's, happening it's, out there. For me, they're, they're both very important, and I say that with all sincerity. So tell me what, 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 what happened here. This is an issue affecting, uh, affecting people's lives, affecting people's careers. Uh, it's affecting their families' lives. Uh, it's a crucial issue for New York City police officers and, in particular, detectives. Look, the position of the Detectives Endowment Association, as, as Paul has uh, stated uh, recently on your show, is clear. It is time to end the vaccine mandate for New York City police officers and for all of New York City's municipal employees, uh, for that matter. You know, our public employees, uh, New York City police officers uh, included, we're on the front lines of this pandemic, Arthur. When others were sheltering in place uh, and home, quarantining, uh, New York City police officers were out there every day, not only protecting people from the coronavirus, but protecting people from everyday crimes uh, that were occurring uh, in the city. They put their lives on the line every single day in the normal way they, they do, plus having to face uh, the threat of the invisible bullet, the uh, coronavirus. And in fact, no rank was hit harder than detective in the New York City uh, Police Department. Why, why is that? Eight detectives gave their lives uh, to, to COVID, uh, you know, protecting the city. Okay. That's because detectives, more than any other rank, uh, were, were facing uh, uh, the coronavirus. They were in hospitals uh, interviewing witnesses. They were interviewing witnesses and victims uh, of crimes. Uh, they were working in, in the morgue. They were every single coronavirus related death had to be investigated because it's a death. And every death has to be looked at to see uh, what the cause of death was. And our detectives were out there uh, determining uh, that uh, there wasn't any foul play or anything like that. But this was, in fact, a, a COVID-19 related death and not something else. So they were on the front lines dealing with the disease uh, every single day. Uh, and they didn't ask why. They didn't complain. Uh, they were out there and then going home to their families, uh, you know, at the end of their tours. So the detectives understand the danger of the coronavirus. But the DEA has also always maintained steadfastly that the decision whether to be vaccinated is a decision for each individual to make in consultation with their physician, with their wives, their spouses, uh, and their family members. Uh, and that is just not a position that the courts in New York State have given any credence to whatsoever. So we're happy that Justice Thomas uh, and the Supreme Court has agreed to consider the issue because the issue needs to be teed up outside of New York, Arthur, clearly. Who, who, who was the, the attorney here, who... 
Go ahead. Keep going. Go ahead. You know, you're on a roll. I don't want to stop you. No, I'm saying the courts, the courts here in New York have not been receptive, to say the least. And, no, and in some I, cases, I think we lost every. I think hostile. Yeah, yeah I think we uh, we lost every single one. I think. Um, and in particular, so, the federal courts, if you look at the federal decisions, they have been here in New York in, in the southern and the eastern districts. They've been particularly hostile uh, to the issue. So the fact that this is being uh, teed up and going to be considered by the Supreme Court, I think, is a huge step forward. Now, um, Detective Marciano, um, his attorney, uh, uh, Patricia Finn, who, who we spoke to uh, earlier today, and in fact, the DEA is, is in conversation with her uh, and, and hopes to put in an amicus curiae brief in support of the emergency application that he's that is filing. Uh, you know, she raises some very, very interesting uh, issues, very compelling arguments. Uh, uh, in her uh, in her lawsuit, and to think about how hostile uh, the courts have been uh, here, y- y- you have to remember that Marciano actually originally brought this case in New York State Court. He didn't choose to bring it in federal court. He brings it in New York State Court, and the city law department, no doubt through the uh, uh, the uh, the orders of the mayor, uh, ended up removing that matter uh, into the United States District Court. And Ms. Finn was actually successful in, in obtaining an injunction in state court, uh, stopping uh, her client from being terminated from the police department. But as soon as the matter was removed to the federal court, uh, the city immediately moved to vacate the temporary restraining order that was granted by Judge Rakoff. He vacated the TRO uh, and, uh, and basically uh, opined on the record that uh, this lawsuit was going nowhere fast. So I don't blame Ms. Finn for then pursuing a uh, an appeal in the Second Circuit, which also quickly denied her application for a temporary restraining order. Uh, and, of course, Justice Sotomayor uh, declined it as well. Uh, and, and we really give her uh, credit for pushing this matter with uh, Justice Thomas uh, and getting it heard. And it's something that the DEA supports uh, 100%. Uh, getting this matter heard. Finally, maybe there'll be a court that provides some sort of rational look at this. You know, I know uh, Justice Napolitano will speak to the constitutionality and the important constitutional questions that these mandates raise. But leaving the constitutional questions aside, just as a matter of state law, our elected leaders have a legal obligation, Arthur, to act in a rational and reasonable manner. And the fact of the matter is, is that there is no more basis for this uh, vaccine mandate at this point in time. The well, president has declared the, the, the virus to be under control. Our governor has let the New York State emergency declaration lapse. The science has evolved. It's clear the vaccine does not uh, prevent uh, transmission. Uh, so it's time to, for somebody to to look at this rationally. Put politics. Well, it looks aside. like it looks like there's going to be nine justices who are going to look at this. General Counsel James Muschella. Of, yeah, you think I know how to pronounce your name? I'm having a hard time with the Italians today. Muschella of the Detectives Italian Endowment Association. Thanks so much for being on. 
Well, that was very, very informative, and this is obviously a big issue for many New Yorkers who are involved in uh, any kind of capacity where they're mandated to do these vaccines, and they're all there are more places than you would think. But you know, we have to pay close attention to the law, and when you have to pay close attention to the law, and you do pay pay close attention to the law, then you need to look at the law regarding home care benefits. And the folks at Connors and Sullivan are the ones who know about this because the law is about to change on January 1st, 2023. And if your loved one needs home care benefits, that law is going to change. This is a real deadline. All 2023 financial transactions, 30 months prior to the applications for benefits being submitted, will be scrutinized and subject to penalty periods. And that includes if you have given gifts to family members. Financial transfers must be made and benefit applications must be submitted before December 31 to ensure eligibility and protect your assets. There is no time to waste. The time to plan is now. You need to call Connors and Sullivan, attorneys at law, because they are specializing in this area and can help you get it under, get in under the deadline. But you must start the process as soon as possible before the start of December to complete this process by the end of the year. So call Connors and Sullivan today. Don't delay at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Millions of people all over the world suffer from some form of pain, whether it's lower back pain, hip pain, neck pain, leg pain, pain from a workout at the gym, maybe just aches and pains from life. Hey, we're all there, right? That's why Relief Factor has been such a godsend for me and people all over the world. It's a 100% drug-free approach to solving the pain that you suffer from, and people are loving the results. I woke up after two and a half weeks of taking Relief Factor one morning and realized, wow, my lower back pain is gone. And you know how I know Relief Factor works? If I travel or if I forget to take it for a few days or a week or two, my lower back pain starts creeping back. It's an amazing product. Let's see if we can get you out of pain. Take three weeks. The 1995 Quick Start is phenomenal. If it doesn't work, after three weeks, you're out 1995. If it does, welcome to pain-free living. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Or call 800-500-8384 and start the three-week Quick Start with Relief Factor today. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732-863-2788. Come on up, horizon Let the house is moaning. Bells are ringing, fill the air. I swear the cross on my calling. The Boss, The Rising, 21 years ago today, a tribute to heroes. That was the show. It was aired commercial-free on most of the major U.S. networks and uh, raised all kinds of money right after September 11th and the tragedy of 2001. Um, now, 
you know, Springsteen is big in Jersey, but not as big as our next guest. Uh, the youngest man to wear a robe, uh, or I should say the youngest person to wear a robe uh, on this on the court in New Jersey. Uh, a friend, someone who, and I, and I say this with all sincerity, for the years that I know him, and we're approaching decades that I know him, whenever I hear him speak, it's like E.F. Hutton. Like, I just stop and listen because after I hear Judge Napolo, not, <laughs> you'd think I know how to pronounce the nice Italian man's name. After I hear Judge Napolitano's uh, legal analysis, I always come away enriched. I always come away learning something. And if there's anything that I would love the listeners of this show uh, to come away with is, is the same feeling. Like after they listen to this show, they've learned something new. So you don't have to learn anything new from me today because we have Judge Andrew Napolitano to join us. How are you, Your Honor? Oh, I'm fine, Arthur. Thank you for that very, very generous introduction. And yes, we well, have it's, it's true. been friends for decades. It's, uh, it, it is absolutely true. And when this story popped up, I'll be honest, we had a whole different show planned for today. Um, and then when this, this uh, story popped up this morning, uh, and uh, Joan, who's the producer of the show, said, who can we speak to? I said, I'm going to go directly to Judge Napolitano, and hopefully he could just find a couple of minutes to enlighten uh, our listeners and enlighten me. And sure enough, the first question I asked you before we were on the air, the first statement I made to you, you hit the nail on the head. Um Judge Napolitano, lawyer for the detective in this case, asked the Supreme Court to hear whether or not it was constitutional for the NYPD to mandate uh, officers taking vaccines. And she made that uh, request to Justice Sotomayor, Sonia Sotomayor, a native New Yorker, and she denied the ability to be heard in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Since then, the lawyer resubmitted the same request directly to Justice Clarence Thomas, and now the Supreme Court is going to hear arguments on this on this matter. How does that happen, Judge Andrew Napolitano? Well, it's not supposed to happen uh, that way, Arthur. So when when an application is made to a single justice, meaning that the Circuit Court of Appeals has denied the relief that the applicant wants, which is what happened to this detective, let me just say as an aside, I am a cheerleader for the detective, and I don't believe that the city has the authority to compel the cops and the firemen and the EMS people to be vaccinated against their will. And I hope to the mother of God that the detective wins. But wearing my neutral judicial hat, once an application is made to a sitting justice, the justice temporarily grants or temporarily denies the application. Her job, then, is to circulate that application amongst the other justices and get a very quick vote. So I can only assume that Justice Sotomayor failed to do that. And and that's what... uh, triggered the ability of the uh, detective's lawyer to file another application. Uh, because if she did do that, and there were not four votes to hear the application, so it takes four of them can compel all nine to hear the application, even if five don't want it. Uh, if there were not four votes to hear this application, I don't know how suddenly four votes could have materialized upon the second application. So without getting too much in the weeds, somebody dropped the ball. And I'm going to guess that that original first vote, which followed, should have followed Justice Sotomayor's denial, did not take place. If it did, and there were not four votes to hear this, then Justice Thomas improperly received the application. However, that's now history. 
for them to have agreed to hear it, that means four of them have said, yes, we want to hear it. It doesn't mean the detective's going to win. He could lose five to four. He, he could lose by more than five to four because agreeing to hear the case doesn't mean you're going to rule in favor of the applicant. No, it just it just means that you live to fight another day, so to speak. I am. Um, yeah, I'm. We're sure. talking to Judge Andrew Napolitano. We're so lucky to have him on the air with us. Um, so, Judge Napolitano, what is going to be the real issue here? I know you've been uh, pontificating on this topic of mandatory vaccination. So, when the lawyers go before the Supreme Court of the United States, if you could just uh, give us a little Reader's Digest version of what both sides' arguments will be to the court. The government uh, will say that we can make uh, reasonable, rational regulations to keep our public employees safe and to keep the public safe because the nature of the public employees' work is to have intimate contact with the public. The police touch people that they uh, arrest and uh, whom whom they deal with. And that often happens the same with fire, and it certainly happens with EMS. And so we have the right to assure the public that the people who will touch them as agents of the government will be free from disease. That's about the best argument uh, that the government can make. The and that, that, those arguments here, I, I hate to interrupt you, uh, Judge Napolitano, but that, those arguments here in the state court have prevailed, I believe, off the top of my head, because I've have. lost count, there's been so many. I think they've prevailed yeah. every single time. It's difficult for me to make those arguments, but I'm wearing a neutral hat here on your show because, in my view, those arguments are uh, are hogwash. First of all, there is no scientific basis whatsoever to suggest that an unvaccinated person is going to pass on the disease. In fact, the opposite is the case. There is scientific evidence to show that a vaccinated person passes on the disease. Uh, secondly, the, the government cannot force a chemical into a person's body. We, we know that from Supreme Court case law. We know it from the Nuremberg uh, uh, treaties, the, the treaties that followed the Nuremberg trials, to which the United States uh, is a signatory. The government can't force an experimental drug into someone's veins against their wishes. So the, the detective, in my view, should win. Now, I'm sure that the detective's lawyers know this, but I'll say it anyway. Yesterday, literally yesterday, a federal district court judge uh, in Louisiana ruled on an identical application involving a public school teacher. And that judge invalidated the federal mandate for, uh, excuse me, the state mandate in Louisiana requiring school teachers to be vaccinated. Now, I don't know if he relied on federal law or on, or on Louisiana law. If he relied on Louisiana law, I doubt the Supreme Court cares. But if he relied on federal law, the detectives' lawyers should know about it and should read that case because the Fifth Circuit, to which that case will be appealed, has already ruled the same way he has. Here's another thing that has me a little perplexed. Here in New York City, uh, the the mayor has said, Private sector employees, I think it has more than 10 uh, um, employees in one location at the same time. They, he lifted the mandate on that, but he maintained the mandate on the public sector. From a constitutional point of view, Judge Andrew Napolitano, how can uh, the, the mayor of the city of New York have the power to treat all of its citizens 
in an unequal, in, inconsistent fashion. Okay, so I'll give you, again, both sides. The mayor's side will be, uh, they're the employees and I'm the employer. And I'm going to set a higher standard for my employees than I am for people who work in the city. They don't work for me. So if you are one of the 2,000 people that works at Fox News at 6th Avenue and 47th Street, your bosses will make their decision. If you're one of the 35,000 police officers in New York City, your boss will make the decision, and that's me. The other side of that argument is an equal protection argument. Not only is the mayor the boss of the people that work for the city, he's also the government. And the government is required by the 14th Amendment to treat similarly situated people in a similar way. That's the equal protection argument. So he can't lift the obligation for one uh, group of people and keep it for another. There's both of your arguments, Arthur. Well, there, there you go, Judge. Judge, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. If uh, Knowing what you know about the Supreme Court of the United States, and uh, there's only one rookie on the court now, um, but we can – Yeah, I, well, actually, I'm not going to guess of which way she would go. She's her own person. Uh, knowing this argument, and I know on all of your podcasts and, and all of your various media appearances, you've argued uh, very strongly against the mandate. How do you think the Supreme Court of the United States will come down on this one? Well, uh, you know, the, the last time this issue was before the Supreme Court, uh, it involved uh, health care workers uh, and it involved a, a rule of the Department of Health and Human Services. Uh, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh went, went over with the four liberals, and they upheld the rule five to four. If he does the same, the detective will lose. If, if he views police as differently from health care workers and the mayor's edict as differently from the Secretary of Health and Human Services uh, edict, uh, and he sticks with his instincts and what we expect of him, the detective will win. But he's, he's the... Uh, He's the unpredictable one uh, in this case. So is uh, Anthony, Justice Anthony Kennedy used to be known as that swing vote. And, you, you know, he you didn't know exactly know where he was going to go on certain issues. Uh, has Brett Kavanaugh um, emerged as the justice who's now in that position? No, he has on this issue. But generally, uh, he sticks with his conservative buddies. Is it more the Chief Justice, Chief Justice Roberts now, who's a little bit going swinging back and forth? Well, he he wishes he were uh, he were the swing vote, uh, and and he can be the swing vote. He he sided against the regulation in which Brett uh, Justice Kavanaugh was the swing vote. So it was five to four upholding the uh, Department of Health and Human Services regulation with the four uh, liberals. Judge Justice Breyer was on the court then, not Justice Jackson. Uh, so it was the uh, four liberals uh, uh, plus the chief, uh, plus Justice uh, Kavanaugh. So he's he's the one to watch. But, you know, there's no oral argument. Uh, this is an application for an injunction. This is not a ruling on the merits. They're, they're going to say uh, Monday or Friday after their Monday uh, conference we're not going to hear the case or the injunction uh, is imposed. Submit your briefs and we'll rule on the merits in April. So uh, this, this will either be over with in 10 days or it'll go on for another five or six months.
an injunction just so the, is, is something you want immediately just to stop the, the harm, stop the damages versus a, a decision on the merits. Right. Judge Napolitano, well, when gets the, if the detective gets the injunction, he gets his job back right away. It may not be permanently, but he'll get his job back until the Supreme Court rules on the merits. And it'll stop any further firings uh, from pe- people absolutely, who have absolutely. refused to get. In fact, that, the, you know, the, your general counsel of the Detectives Association knows better than I. I don't know how many people are uh, in the category of Detective Moschella, but I would imagine hundreds, maybe even thousands of people will get their jobs back. Well, I mean, if this because just so we're clear, if this rule, if this injunction well, this was just, though, to apply the NYPD. So if they were sanitation workers or school teachers, it would not apply to them, correct? Unfortunately, that is correct. But but if, if they rule on the merits in favor of the NYPD, right. uh, then a simple motion before a federal, federal district court judge would invalidate the mayor's edict. There you go. Well, we're playing some uh, some good little Italian-American music for Judge Napolitano, who is a very proud Italian-American who should be a role model for all those young people in law school who want to do the best that they can at the law. Thank you so much, Judge Andrew Napolitano, for joining us today. God love you, Arthur, anytime. Love you, too. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Mambo Italiano, hey, Mambo. Mambo Italiano, go, go, Joe. Shake it like a Giovanna. Hello, kiss it, did you get happy in the pizza when you mambo Italiano? Dr. Gorka here, and I want to talk to you for a minute about the 100% drug-free relief factor. We all deal with aches and pains in our day-to-day lives, and I have had my fair share, including injuries like a detached quad muscle that, I can tell you, fell into the category of really bad pain. But I've been able to manage the pain by taking relief factor. It helps your own body to attack and fight off sources of inflammation, the source of most of our aches and pains, and I've loved it for years. Now, almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick starter pack for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. The following is a paid political announcement. Hi, this is Frank Pallotta, Republican candidate for United States Congress here in New Jersey's 5th District. I'm not just running to return my district to Republican hands. I'm running to represent all of the people in my district, including seniors, veterans, small businesses, and everyone who longs for real bipartisan leadership. I've just launched a weekly radio talk show on AM 970, The Answer, called Frankly Speaking. Our show will air at 10 a.m. on Sundays, so please tune in. We'll be discussing the issues that are relevant and critically important to all of us here in the 5th District and across the great state of New Jersey. If you'd like to know more, please visit my website, at frankfornj.com. That's frank, the number four, nj.com, where you can follow our campaign, catch up on all the issues, and if you like what you see, please feel free to donate. If you have any questions, please contact our offices at 201-783-8801. Thank you. This is Frank Pallotta, and I approve this message. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. 
Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-2788. We're back to the Arthur Idala Power Hour with New York City's preeminent trial attorney and quintessential New Yorker, attorney Arthur Idala. Thursday evening, New York City. Um, okay, we did a lot of law. We did the whole first half of the show on the law. Uh, of course, my two de- my two guests were uh, Italian Americans. So let's continue with that theme. Uh, if you remember, we spoke to Andre Domino, the president of the Italian American One Voice Coalition, uh, about the Tom's River School District, and uh, they were going to take a vote on Columbus Day being on the calendar and celebrated appropriately according to federal law. And that vote was last night. So here on Thursday, the day after we have Andre Domino back on, again, he's the president of the Italian-American One Voice Coalition. Coalition. Andre, why don't you tell us what happened last night at the Tom's River School District? Well, thanks for having me back, Arthur. I wish I had good news, but unfortunately, no. After all of our pleading for them uh, to keep Columbus Day holiday, they said, well, they were going to celebrate it a different way. They were going to cancel the actual holiday and just teach about Columbus on that day, which is just a, just a spin on their part. It was just, it's the wrong thing to do. Uh, well, what does that mean, teach? Uh, you know, what are they going to teach about Columbus? That he, he, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be all the negative stuff. Well, I would hope not. They claim that they're going to use a curriculum that was provided to them by the Italian-American Commission. But, hey, you don't know. Unfortunately, you know, we've had generations of kids in schools that have been indoctrinated with these false facts about Columbus. But who knows what they're going to teach? We just don't want to see that. We want them to reinstate the holiday. You know, Arthur, we told them that what they're doing is ammunition and fodder to other schools to have some specious reason to cancel our holiday. It's wrong. Like you said, it's a federal holiday. It should be maintained. Who makes the actual vote? Like, how did it it pan out last night? Well, actually, the, the school calendar was actually changed without a vote. They issued the calendar early in the year, and Columbus Day was gone. And last night, we were hoping that they were going to reverse themselves with a vote to put it back on. But they didn't listen to us. Well, no, they listened to us. They didn't do anything. You know, we were there. We explained our position. We said how important Columbus Day is to Italian-Americans and actually to all Americans and the fact that it's a federal holiday. They just said, okay, thank you, and that was it, and they didn't do anything. So right now, there is school on Columbus Day. Was there a vote taken? Was there uh, no. You know, there was no? No, vote. we there wanted was, there was that, no reason. Arthur. Okay. <clears throat> That's what we so wanted, they, but they didn't. They didn't take a vote they, to rescind it. They just said, we have, we've made our decision, and uh, so even though uh, the, the banks are closed and the, the post office is closed and the, the kids at Tom's River will be going to school. They'll be going to school with the quote-unquote day to learn about Columbus. Yeah. And is anyone, and I know, I, I know this is not really your, your, your role, your job, but I know how much you care about this. Um, we're talking to and, Andre Domino. Uh, is there anyone who's going to monitor what exactly they're, they're teaching about Columbus? 
Well, not that we know of, but, but Arthur, don't take it like we're sitting back on this. You know, we, we just take this that we have to go to phase two now, and we just have to continue to press on them to do the right thing. And, I mean, we're getting close to Columbus Day. It's, very, it's only a couple of weeks away, but, you know, we, we're not giving up. You know, Italian-American One Voice, we've had successes in other school districts in preserving the holiday. We want this back for the kids in, in Tom's area. You know, what does it tell the children? It tells them, hey, this is not a really big holiday anyway wrong yeah i i will tell you i was uh with my son today and um there was a multiple choice question and i said what did christopher columbus uh arrival in america what did it bring back to europe and it was like a was democracy and fair government uh, what did what did it not what did it not bring back to europe a was democracy and fair government. B was having to do with farming and agri- agriculture. C had to do with jealousy between countries regarding navigation. And D was something other positive thing that, that Columbus did do. And, of course, the answer was A. It didn't bring back dis- uh, democracy and fair government. So it was a, a nice way of them, you know, not being not nice to, to Christopher Columbus. Well, all I got to say is this, Andre. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Um, Years ago, before you and I were around, the Italian-American leadership here in the United States of America chose Columbus as the person who should really be the face of Italian-American pride and heritage uh, and a symbol of heritage in this country. And uh, I, f- I don't exactly know when it turned the corner that he became the devil, but um, I, I, you and I said this the other day. If you look at anybody who, who we celebrate, so many people we celebrate from, from today, today's athletes and today's actors and people we exalt that, you know, everyone's got major issues. Columbus's issues are 500 plus years old. Right. Um, but it, it, let us know what else we could do to, to support you, to help you. Um, we have a large listening audience, a large Italian American listening audience. And we, you know, we would love to stand next to you and fight the good fight. Well, we appreciate that, Arthur, and we're not giving up. We've got to defend our heritage. Is there? Uh, we got one minute left. Is there any other targets of Columbus? Uh, other, any other groups or areas that are taking issue with Columbus that we know about or should know about here in the tri-state area that you're aware of? Well, you know, it happens all the time. We're, we're called into a lot of these things. There, there's, uh, you know, there's things that, that occur that we don't know about, people tell us about. Right now, this is the most active thing. The other one that we have is, of course, the Newark statue, which has been taken down and, and actually demolished. And the mayor did that with really out, without any proper process. So we are fighting that as well. Uh, that's in Newark, New Jersey, you know, obviously a very big city in New Jersey. Uh, we've just got to be vigilant and keep fighting every place we can. Thank you so much. That's Andre Domino of the Italian-American One Voice Coalition. We are going to take our last break for the night, and we're going to continue this Italian theme. We're going to talk to Sal Esposito about the San Gennaro Festival down on Mulberry Street. So don't go away. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Driving ambition for 40 years in the United States, Mitsubishi Motors sees the automotive industry differently. Mitsubishi challenges convention with innovative approaches in the way Mitsubishi engineers and builds their vehicles. Just look at the all-new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander, now in stock in all trim levels and all with the flexibility of third-row seating. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today. FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call 732 863 
I am Sloan Martin with Mike Golick Jr. College football Saturday night, week four, heads to Norman as Oklahoma hosts Kansas State. Kansas State, who has upset the Sooners two of their last three meetings. Gotta watch out if you're Oklahoma and want to stay in the mix. Big opportunity in the Big 12. You will not want to miss it because Saturday nights are meant to be fun. Catch us right here Saturday at 8 on your home for college football Saturday night, powered by Learfield. Catch college football Saturday night right here on AM 970, The Answer. Remember to eat your fruits and vegetables. We all remember these words from our childhood. But how does anyone have time to buy, store, prepare, and eat enough healthy fruits and vegetables in our busy lives? Balance of Nature keeps it simple. Our produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. The produce is then mixed into a scientifically researched blend designed with your body in mind. Once these blends are encapsulated, they are packaged and sent right to your door so you can get all the benefits of a colorful variety of fruits and vegetables every day. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-2468-751. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code GORKA. Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. Andre Bocelli song. Um, but we are celebrating Italian American heritage uh, coming up real soon uh, in October. But here in New York City, in his time, or we're in the middle of, I should say, the San Gennaro Feast on Mulberry Street. And who better to speak about that than uh, one of the proprietors of the famed Mulberry Street restaurant, Il Cortile, the one, the only Sal Esposito. Esposito. Hello, Sal. How are you? It's Arthur Idala. Welcome to the Power Hour. Uh, Arthur, thank you so much. Great introduction. I've uh, never felt so important in my life. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's talk about how important you are. Tell me about your family's uh, lineage and, and history on Mulberry Street. Well, we, uh, you know, born and raised. So I lived in an apartment right above the restaurant my whole life. And, you know, we are running uh, 45-something years now. 
And uh, the only thing that's got us beat is the uh, whole festival is uh, in its 96th year. So, you know, in a few years, and a few short years, we'll keep this going. And it'll be 100 years for the feast and 50 years for, for Il Cortil. So when you're in the building right there, right above you guys, it says on the that very, very top of the building, it says Ana Esposito. It's like part of the building, part of the facade. Who was Ana Esposito? Oh, my God. Great. <laughs> great introduction for another great story, Arthur. Uh, that's my great, great grandmother. And she had she ended up having 23 kids. So <laughs> are you kidding me? They have. Now, back in the day of the uh, real immigration for this country, you know, where the whole neighborhood was full of Italians, um, my great-great-grandfather kept her busy and filled up the whole building with their own uh, with their own children. Then those are those little, like, tenement railroad apartments, correct? Oh, yeah. It's been, uh, I mean, a little further back uh, for, than my time, but I kind of heard stories of, you know, everybody shared a bathroom in the middle of the hallway. So tell us a little bit about wh- how you've watched over the years the the evolution of the San Gennaro Festival, because I know it is much different now than it was when you were a little boy. Yeah, and uh, thankfully, I mean, just as a positive, this year is fantastic. Very family-oriented, a lot of rides and a lot of games, and, of course, the restaurants. But my earliest memory was um, some of your viewers and guests, I'm, I'm sure, would, would recall, like, a grease poles. There and that go. was like a, a big game. Yeah, that was. Um, Explain was to the listeners what that know. is. Most, a lot of people don't know what a grease pole is. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I hate to say it. it has something to do with us being like, you know, just real immigrants back then. But you would have teams and you have four or five guys that would climb on each other up a whole pole that was like sky high, maybe three or four stories. And whoever gets to the top gets all the candies and stuff. Uh, so it was really kind of uh, what made the feast famous. And then, of course, you know, a couple of mafia killings over there. And that's what made the whole neighborhood famous. Well, yeah, obviously, I'm not going to highlight that right now. Um, but when you were a kid, was it the same type of scenario? In other words, there were people who were selling some food and people who were selling some um, crafts or whatever things that they had to sell back in the day? Yeah, mostly uh, like a market, you know, like every city that I've uh, visited, uh, you know, Philadelphia, Boston, they all kind of have a little Italy and it's a little bit like a marketplace. Okay, and I think and since, that's really what you see. And since since the COVID has kind of subsided a little bit, I know you guys have those beautiful booths outside on, on the street. How is life in Little Italy? How's the you know has the tourism come back? Is, are the restaurants? Are you guys still doing okay? Well, yeah. I mean, there was the uh, the bad points would be when they had us closed down totally. But you know, there's uh, good reasons for that. And you know, as maybe a um, a little thank you. You know, the city gave us the, the right to do the boots right in front of our spots. And that's been, you know, really a saving part. You know, when they when they thought the indoors were really more dangerous, the boots uh, kept us alive. So we've uh, we've survived a lot. And it's all, all, you know, boots guys from here. 
And you know, good. I I like that attitude. The um the booths that you guys use. I mean, you have a very big restaurant, Il Cortile. If the mayor took the the booths away at this point, and there's no restriction, would that have any effect on your bottom line, or is your restaurant so big that you could absorb all of the customers? Well, we might be able to absorb it. We are a very big place, but I would say in general, that would be like kind of a mean thing to do. Like other smaller places, they really rely on their booth, and people love eating outside. So, you know, if you keep up with it, like, you know, we really, we almost, we redid it three times, the booth, you know, and, and uh, you know, the residents, everything, you know, you got to look at everybody's concerns. But it's really, uh, thankfully, our mayor is a fan, and, you know, he realizes the value for the restaurant to stay alive. What about the rats? Since I got a real restaurateur from from <laughs> a Little Italy, Salas Bezito, uh from Il Cortile, a, a famed, famed restaurant down there. You know, it was obviously Casa Bella and Puglia, and there's so many of them there that have been there forever. Um, how the rat, how's the rat problem going on? Well, you got to make sure no, nobody gets inside. That's for sure. Okay. Have those booths outside, though, contributed to the explosion in the rat population? I mean, I would say it, it uh, is an issue. I, I can't deny that. But like our booth, I could definitely vouch for. I saw it being built. We have gravel underneath. There's nobody living inside of it. That's for sure. All right. Well, Sal, when, when does the San Gennaro Festival end? Is it is this Sunday? Yeah, we have till Sunday, and that might okay. be like, you know, closing a little earlier in the night, that night, but um, we're still looking forward to a great weekend. All right, go out and, and go to Il Cortile, and uh, Salas Vizito, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Arthur. I love you guys. All right, thanks so much. And, and if you want to, uh, that, that corner right there, Casa Bella, Il Cortile, that, that one-two punch, those are two great restaurants to, uh, to enjoy a wonderful uh, traditional Italian meal. Um, they're really very, very good. And it's a lot of fun down there. And he is true. I was down there, uh, I think, Tuesday night, Monday night. Um, and uh, it was, it did have a pretty good vibe of being family-oriented and, and you felt safe and there was a tremendous police presence which is wonderful. Um, I am teaching at uh, St. John's Law School shortly. Uh, I'm doing a night class for a a trial advocacy um, uh, group. And I am um, also then going to try, I'm going to try very much to then scoot over to Yankee Stadium and um, see if Aaron Judge can... Uh, make history. I was there last night with Luca, and it, that was fantastic. Uh, even though we didn't see, and actually, and Nicholas is his cousin, my nephew, my godson. Uh, even though we didn't see history being made, boy, did you feel it! Every time he got up to bat, it was like it was like it was the World Series, bottom of the ninth, two outs, bases loaded, Yankees down by three. I mean, it was just. Just electric. And even in the eighth inning, the Yanks batted around the whole order so that he can come up again. And the, the scared rookie pitch, pitcher for the Pittsburgh Steelers didn't throw him one one pitch that he would be able to. Um, thank you. Well, I just said the Steelers? Yes, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was a rookie pitcher pitching in you know uh, this high-stakes situation. So 
in my opinion, the pitcher was smart to just avoid uh, being a trivia, the answer to a trivia question, you know, who pitched the ball to Aaron Judge that tied the record. Although I think the real question would be, if it ever happens, who threw the ball to Aaron Judge when he broke the record. Um, but I um, we'll see. We'll see what traffic is like. Traffic is so sick in the city today. I drove Luca to school in Queens, and I left my car in Queens and took the subway in from Queens. I'm going to take the subway back to Queens and uh, head over to St. John's Law School to teach Professor Dante um, Apuzo's class. Uh, I believe it's an appellate practice class. I've been doing a lot of appellate work lately. Um, I'm excited. I love uh, speaking to students and using my 30 years experience as a lawyer, uh, as a vehicle to teach them a little bit. And you know what? I feel the same way about you guys sometimes. I would say the biggest critique I get about this show is people say, talk more about the law. Talk more about your law practice. Talk more about you know the behind-the-scenes stuff. We want to know how the sausage is made. Um, and... I have no problem doing that. I don't. I just don't ever want it to sound like um, this show is like a big commercial for my law firm because that's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a big commercial for uh, Mitsubishi Motors, uh, Mitsubishi in 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 Freehold, uh, and and Platinum. The, they, they have three dealerships. One actually is in Tom's River. One's in Fr- Howell. One's in Freehold. Um, and Sal Esposito, who you just spoke to, is actually the cousin of Michael Esposito who uh, is the owner of uh, Mitsubishi in Freehold. <clears throat> so it's time to say goodnight. Let's keep our fingers crossed. The, the game starts, I believe, at 7.15 tonight uh, against the Boston Red Sox. Aaron Judge, number 99, trying to break Roger Maris's number record, who's number nine, nine, who's number nine 61 home runs. 61 years ago, um, there's a lot going on here. Um, let's see what happens. It's Even if you're not a baseball fan, you should turn it on to watch tonight. It's going to be great. Um, I think that's about it. We'll get Mayor Adams on next week. That's that's what they promised, so we should see. Have a great night, everybody. Tomorrow we're not on. There's some uh, football game on. So we'll talk to you on Monday. To my Jewish friends, Happy New Year. It is time to say goodnight to nobody. The preceding program, sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.